If you're still working, how long do you expect to work? Today, we're going to talk about why your expectations are probably wrong and why you need to think differently. Glad you're with us for another edition of Retire Smarter. Walter Storholt with you alongside Kevin Krosky. He is the president and wealth advisor at True Wealth Design. We're online at truewealthdesign.com. Find past episodes, schedule a 15-minute call with an experienced advisor on the team. Everything you need, truewealthdesign.com, the place to go. Kevin, good to be with you once again. Looking forward to continuing our series about the book, What Retirees Want, and your takeaways, analysis, and picking apart of that book. But before that, just hope everything's going well in your world. Yeah, everything's everything's great. Um, kind of the, the same MO for me. It's it's work, it's family, maybe a little bit of time for myself and, and my wife together and then, you know, lather, rinse, repeat, which candidly being a bald man, I haven't had to do for a couple of decades. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor guy. But life yeah. life is good. I can't complain. So I don't. I, I'm I'm okay with the uh, with the baldness. No no sympathy needed. It does open up lots of good opportunities to poke fun at yourself, though, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it. it does. Well, oh, fantastic. Well, we set the stage in our previous episode, the first one of the new year, about uh, this uh, book that you've spent some time reading through, making your way through uh, what retirees want. And picking apart little different take parts of the takeaways and the ideas in this book, and we know some things you're going to agree with, uh, some things you'll you'll like or might pique your interest to talk a little bit about. Some you're going to disagree with, and maybe explain some reasons why. And uh, I'm looking forward to today's breakdown. Yeah, you got it. So you know, in the first episode, uh, we really just kind of set the stage for more of a history of retirement, and one of the key takeaways uh, I would say is that really the increasing wealth that we've had as a society and the people within it have experienced as well as and relatedly to it the increasing uh, longevity that we have um, has just really changed uh, the amount of time that we have in retirement and what we can do with it so we have this new time affluence and so today we're talking about work and retirement which you know, uh, on surface may sound a little bit contradictory, right? I mean, hey, what do you mean work and retirement? We've, I've, mm-hmm. I've retired. I'm not, <laughs> not going to do that any longer. Um, but one of the really key themes in the book, uh, and, and it definitely is becoming increasingly so, I would say in general, um, but is about, you know, working in retirement. People expecting to work in retirement, um, people that are working in retirement, what they're getting from it. Um, the book goes into illustrating a few companies that actually have programs where it's more of like a phased retirement approach, which definitely seems forward thinking, uh, but definitely not commonplace at the same time um, in our society today. But the expecting to work in retirement, uh, the book goes on to say that more and more people are expecting to work in retirement. And one of the things that I'll take slight issue with is expectations are just that, you know, it may not match actuality. Um, you know, a common thing that you'll hear related to investing is, uh, and I'm sure we've all heard this on the news about like consumer sentiment. So the University of Michigan will poll people about how they feel and, you know, are they optimistic or pessimistic or what have you. But rather than how they feel, I would say, and what research on this has proven is what people actually do is more meaningful and may not match up. So while the book talks about, you know, people that are still working um, are expecting to work more and work longer, 
candidly, uh, EBRI or Employee Benefit Research Institute studies uh, that measure both the expectations as well as the actualities consistently finds that that candidly isn't the case. Um, and I'll reference a few stats from a, from a recent study. And this I intentionally picked pre-COVID just because that's to make a, a drastic understatement. COVID has been a bit of a monkey wrench in, in all these sorts of um, stats. And we'll see how things you know kind of get back to some sort of normality or not post-COVID. But you know, in 2019, uh, and this this survey, in case anybody wants to take a look at it for themselves, it was EBRI's Retirement Confidence Survey, or RCS for short. And what they found was that um, 48% of retirees uh, found that they left the workforce earlier than they planned. So almost one in two retirees left the workforce earlier than they planned. So said another way, you know, hey, maybe you're 60, you know, you're at a point in life where, you know, you're probably making more money than you did before. Maybe you're in a pretty good spot at work and overall happiness. And you're thinking to yourself, hey, I mean, I'm in a good spot. I can keep doing this until 65, maybe 70, you know, who knows? Um, but on average, you know, that that really doesn't happen. Um, I'm curious. Well, so if about half of the people while they're working uh, think they're going to work longer than they actually do. What do you think are some of the reasons why they don't work as long as they think that they're going to? Some of the reasons why they don't end up getting yes. there? I think a lot of people have expectations before they actually do the math, right? So like you, you maybe haven't been motivated to actually run the numbers yet. And so your expectation is just maybe kind of like worst case scenario. And then once you actually run the math, you get more confidence and you can move away from that. You can move more toward the mean and, and further away from that extreme solution of the of the negative side. Oh, my gosh. It can can we do can we do an egghead alert for you? Alert. <laughs> you just used I almost mean dropped a reversion the to the mean uh, <laughs> <Yes>. mentioned there. <laughs> I'm having a positive influence on you, Walt. I love it. I got to pull out a Kevin phrase here. <laughs> you're supposed to balance me. I don't know if this is a good thing, actually. Um, We're, you're, you're bringing up the floor. You're bringing up the floor. The <laughs> intelligence of the show. I prefer raising the roof. That sounds more fun. Um, but you're right. Uh, what you said is... Uh, I would say a third of it is right. So there's kind of three broad categories why people, you know, have those, you know, expectations, but it doesn't hold true. And the one that you really just intimated was, hey, you know, we can afford it. We didn't realize it before, but, you know, we've kind of crossed the financial independence finish line. You know, I'm truly working right now because I want to, not because I financially have to. And hey, I just decided I'm not going to do it anymore for whatever reason. So that's about a third of it. Any guess on the other two thirds? I would imagine some people are get forced into a change, right? Uh, we, can, we can't ignore that. When people uh, you know, start getting to that retirement age, they get either encouraged or forced into retirement, perhaps. Yeah, and I think that's a good way. To, I hadn't thought of that, um, the, the forcing, um, but both of the other two reasons I'm going to share, I think you could put under that forcing umbrella to a certain degree. Um, and the other two items, and, and all of these, whether they can afford it or the, the other two I'm going to mention, are all about a third of, of the reasonings that people provide. But a company change, um, 
I can think of, you know, well, you know, kind of maybe the standard sort of like downsizing or something like that. You know, maybe there's a buyout or a merger and, you know, jobs are eliminated. I can think of one client specifically, you know, he's does pretty well. He's a director level position at a fortune 500 company. And he has a boss that has just really changed his satisfaction. <laughs> and so maybe that's a, a company change. Uh, and hopefully, um, that relationship improves or changes. So, you know, he gets more satisfaction. Um, but company change, um, I, that could be a forcing, uh, to a large degree, uh, or hardship is kind of the other general category that the survey talks about. And, and this could be, you know, your own health, your spouse's health, you know, hopefully not the health of a child, um, be somewhat tragic, or it could even be, and you see this increasingly, but people retiring because they want to take care of their parents, their elderly parents to a certain degree. Um, and certainly women are, are, are much better creatures when it comes to this than, than us men. But, but I, you know, call it a family circumstance, health, you know, something along those lines. So I guess you could say that's a hardship in, in some fashion, but hardship, company change, and they can afford it are kind of the three broad categories. And I started doing educational workshops on retirement planning back in 2008. And, and literally, I would review this, this research every year and I would talk about it. And it literally hasn't really moved. Again, we'll see what happens kind of post-COVID. We're in a bit of a weird period, but um, expectations are not the same thing as actuality. From a financial planning standpoint, um, one of the risks and caveats I'll mention uh, is that you know, you think about the last few years of your work, again, typically they're your highest earning years, probably the highest saving years, you know, knock on wood, the kids are out on their own, financially independent, you know, the mortgage is paid off, you're socking away a lot in the 401k or 403b, maybe some additional outside of it in your joint account or trust account, maybe even some Roth IRAs. And uh, if you're banking on on those you know high earning high savings years uh, and thinking about it, you can do it until you're 65 or 70. Well, you have to be careful there. Um, I wouldn't plan on an aggressive financial makeup strategy or catch up strategy to become financially independent. You know, it's one of those things where it's kind of a fine line between present consumption and making sure you have enough for the rest of your life. But this this stat about people thinking they're going to work longer than they actually do has been quite consistent for for decades now. So while I think that's incredibly important to remember, again, I, I don't think it completely invalidates what the book is talking about. Um, I haven't seen it mentioned in the book about the actuality. I see it more about, you know, kind of more the consumer sentiment sort of survey about how long you're going to be working. But nonetheless, um, there were surveys, and I think we can extract some good information about you know, why people who did retire but are choosing to still work, you know, why are they doing it and what's making them happy? And from our own experience with having more than, you know, 300 clients, I certainly have a lot of experience with people doing this um, to varying degrees and varying roles that all kind of intertwine here. So uh, a few broad categories, um, and this is, this is one I've seen a fair amount of, um, but when they're, again, this is kind of surveying retired workers on why are they continuing to work and how are they deriving their happiness. And the first one is returning to earlier career roles or passions. Um, 
So I, we have several, we have a lot of engineers that we take care of. Um, and a lot of times they start out as an engineer and they're doing engineering work and technical work, and then they progress up, you know, the career ladder. And now, you know, they're managing people and projects and, and maybe not doing the type of work that they were passionate about and brought them into that profession in the first place. Well, the good thing is a lot of times those skills, they can go back to doing them. They can shed that additional responsibility that they didn't like. Sometimes managing people um, is an often cited reason here as well. Not managing people tends to uh, result in less stress and more satisfaction. And the engineers may go back and, and do some technical work. Um, and whether it's as uh, an employee, a contractor, um, I have a client that just finished writing his second book on lean manufacturing, and he, he does a lot of speaking and some consulting. But those technical professions, an architect as well, uh, an accountant that likes to just do a little bit of tax prep work at tax time, you know, to as much as he prefers to do, but not work the crazy 80 hours a week that he used to. Um, these are all common examples that uh, are cited both in the book and that I've seen in practice where, you know, people do want to stay engaged, you know, kind of the old unscientific way of saying about your brain, if you don't use it, you lose it sort of thing. Um, I think all of that applies here. Certainly the money doesn't hurt, but money isn't the prime motivator. So returning to those earlier career roles, things you're passionate about, not managing people, having less stress. I have one client, I just love the story. I have to share it, but um, he was uh, he was in finance. Uh, he had a, a publicly traded companies at Lockheed. And um, he had a pretty high stress job, you know, working on these big budgets for these government programs and a pretty stressful position. And now he's working for the city, uh, the local city. And uh, what he would say is, he's like, no, 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 I don't work there. I choose to spend my time there. <laughs> big difference. With, yeah. Big difference. And, and obviously he gets paid and there's some benefits and, and all that is great and gravy. Um, but it's a very clear demarcation uh, in his mind and mine about what work was and what it is now. People would call what he's doing now work, but compared to what he was doing before, he has really no stress and um, he's choosing to spend his time there. So I think those are all reasons. Those are reasons cited in the book. Uh, something else that is cited uh, is really just giving back to organizations or to the profession. Um, I would also call this mentorship. You know, I'm candidly, I'm not overly familiar with different programs that may exist at some companies about this. You know, you have uh, a very experienced knowledge worker that they've accumulated all this information over the course of their career. And at least in my, you know, third party view, it seems like a lot of these companies, it's just, you know, hey, if you're not here full time and engaged, then you're not here anymore. And there's probably some growth and improvement that could be done in keeping people engaged and having some sort of phased retirement, but really being high on the mentorship and on the knowledge transfer. Um, but candidly, you know, I, I just haven't seen it. There are a few examples in the book, but they seem to be a little bit more isolated. What I will say in contrast to maybe what the book talks about, well, you kind of get the sense and the feeling that you know, all these baby boomers that are retiring in mass are, are really not going to retire. They're, they're going to have these encore careers and they're going to change the world. And I think, you know, certainly some of them will. Um, but maybe it's 
you know, we have again, north of 300 clients. We've had, you know, many of them that have retired and been retired for, for many years now. Um, and we're from the Midwest. We tend to be nice, pleasant, kind, simple folk, if I can stereotype. Um, but a lot of the ones that I've seen, um, you know, they want to stay engaged. Sometimes it's small, fun jobs. You know, if you could get that job at the golf course and you golf for free. Um, I have a client that has a passion for plants and, and she calls it digging in the dirt. She likes to work at a nursery. Um, I have another that just likes to work a little bit of retail around the holidays just so she can get a discount on shopping and on her Christmas shopping, even though she doesn't need it. It's just who she is. And she's got that sense of frugality and wants to have a little bit of engagement. We have a lot of healthcare workers that'll still do per diem work. You know, they can go out and they can be a nurse on a, any given day and get paid to do it. Um, we have several clients that, you know, we're pretty high up and successful at companies where, you know, they have knowledge and relationships and they sit on boards today. Um, they advise companies, you know, they, I have a few actually that may be expert witnesses um, because of their deep expertise in, in their profession. So it's definitely wide ranging. Um, but again, I, at least in our client base and we have a pretty good experience with them, um, you know, overall and we have a fair amount of them, but it doesn't tend to be so world changing, so purposeful that, Hey, we're going to go out and change the world. I, I will say that, um, I think men more than women, and I don't, I didn't do the stats on this or anything, but just anecdotally, um, I think men more than women will go back and, and do some work. Oftentimes, uh, you know, women tend to have better social uh, circles and relationships more so than men, particularly outside of work. So, you know, if you think, go back and think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, um, we have all those needs and work can go ahead and meet some of those needs, whether it's, you know, security needs and having enough money and what have you and uh, esteem needs. But if you can have those needs met, but work isn't part of the equation, then I, I think work is less likely to be part of somebody's retirement in my experience. I will say again, anecdotally, I've had a lot of clients say that they're going to work in retirement and, and they don't. And that could be for a multitude of reasons. But I, I think if I kind of look back and think about the takeaways from this, you know, the expectations about how long you're going to work are important. Um, most people do not work as long as they think they're going to work. It tends to be, you know, three, four, five years shorter. But you know, I do think it's going to continue to evolve and change. You know, as we have increasing wealth, we have increasing longevity, and we have this increasing time affluence. I think there's going to be more opportunities for people to be involved in some way. And if you can do work that you're truly passionate about and enjoy, but still have the freedom to go ahead and experience your time affluence in ways that are meaningful to you and not be constrictive as it may have felt while you're working full time. I do think it's natural to expect that more and more people are going to be working. I just don't see maybe necessarily a ton of encore careers to the extent that the authors convey in the book. Interesting to hear that. It's almost like it's uh, just the shift in focus away from career and more to just something simpler, whether that be volunteer work or whether that be a job or, like you said, just decreasing the roles and responsibilities. It just seems like there's a refocusing of simplicity and then there's a wide variety between how that plays out from client to client. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, I mean, I maybe might, not. No, no, I agree. I mean, I think the I, I always say that you know 
and I'll say it again, you know, we're all, we're all snowflakes, right? We're all individuals. Um, and everybody's a little bit different. And I think, you know, we're different at different stages of our lives. And so it's a continual evolution. Uh, and I mean, I think that's a good thing. I mean, if you're stagnant, um, you know, that, <laughs> that might be a little bit more challenging as you age and things keep changing around you. So to be dynamic is probably a good thing. But yeah, I mean, I think entrepreneurs, I think business owners are maybe a little bit more uniquely positioned to experience this while they're working. You know, you can think of as a business owner, you know, you could potentially hire some additional people and change your role so you can spend more time in those passion areas, um, maybe more easily if versus if you were kind of a W-2 employee at a company and didn't have uh, full autonomy over what the roles and responsibilities were like. But I, you know, it's going to keep changing for sure. And I think um, the baby boomers, no doubt, will continue to make an impact. But I think increasing longevity, increasing wealth, technological changes, all this are going to continue to impact how we're going to live not only our daily lives, but, you know, certainly the time influence throughout our retirement years. It's very interesting to dive deep into this conversation today, Kevin. And uh, even though I'm a little bit a ways from retirement, it gets my wheels turning already thinking about, you know, what you would want to do to shape that, how you would spend that time, what it would look like to move away from the current career and do, you know, something a little bit different in retirement and what choices you would make and what are the different influences. I'm sure this gets the wheels turning for a lot of people as they listen to the show today. So, yeah, if, you know, well, yeah, uh, what I would say is a pra- maybe a pragmatic takeaway um, is it's certainly good to have a plan. You know, if you think about your own, if you're still working and you're thinking about how long you're going to work or you're going to work maybe an encore career, at least from a financial planning standpoint, I wouldn't include that in kind of your base case in your financial plan. I would assume no work. Um, but then if it is something that you do from a financial perspective, I would look at it, you know, more so as icing on the cake. We had, I had a client a case this week where he's been retired a couple of years. He was fairly high up at Goodyear, a technical expert, and he got uh, an offer to do a pretty interesting consulting a gig for a tire company out of India. And, you know, he's let me know about what he thinks he's going to make given how much time. And I'm like, you know, that, Hey, that's great. That's awesome. He was, you could just tell in his voice, he's pretty jazzed up about it because you know, he could see how he could help. He could use his noggin, as he would say. And certainly the, the, the income doesn't hurt, but obviously we need to <laughs> be aware of that. Now we got to change his tax planning and income planning for the year. All good problems for sure. But I guess if you're still working and you're thinking about how long you're going to work, be pragmatic about it, maybe be a little bit conservative, and then maybe have plan B where you know, you're going to work a little bit longer uh, or maybe have that encore career and some money attached to it. Great perspective and a way to think about it. If this conversation today sparks something in your mind that you'd like to talk out a little bit more in a one-on-one fashion with an experienced advisor on the True Wealth team, very easy to set that up. In fact, you can schedule a 15-minute introductory call by going to truewealthdesign.com and click on the Are We Right For You button. Again, that's at truewealthdesign.com, and we'll link to that in the description of today's show. You can also call 855 855- TWD plan, 855-TWD-PLAN, if you want to get in touch via the phone method as well. Kevin, thanks for your guidance through the show today and the discussion about this book. Uh, Once again, it's called What Retirees Want, and uh, we're breaking it down over the course of several episodes here on Retire Smarter and uh, some more good takeaways today. And we'll look forward to chatting with you again on the next episode, Kevin. Thanks, Walt. All right, we appreciate it. That's Kevin Krosky. I'm Walter Storholt. We'll talk to you next time on Retire Smarter. 
Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed. All performance reference is historical and not an indication of future results. Benchmark indices are hypothetical and do not include any investment fees.